you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fan fiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fan fiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Marcus. There's something strange in my neighborhood. Who am I going to call? Uh, I don't know, like uh, the police? <laughs> oh, yeah. You should, probably re- you should probably report it. You know, I, I thought it might have been another Spooky-tober prank. That's oh, what I thought. It's and I'm, I'm ready to get scared, guys. Are there some, like, scoundrel kids outside your house throwing TP through your trees? Spook me up. That's, that's what I gotta say. That's, that's great. You ready we to get spooked spook, up? We can spook you up a little bit. Let's spook things up here. Yeah. All right. Marcus, yes, we have an excellent property to pitch to you today. I am very excited. The world is excited for this one because the world literally blew up this summer when this came out. We had to put it back together with with whatever we had at, available to us. Well, we already got Suicide tape. Squad, so... <laughs> The, the, the sure world, did. the world did, did gave gave them a lot of money for that one, um, <laughs> definitely. Um, and I'm guessing Netflix is raking in the dough for this one too. Uh, this is Stranger Things. Oh my gosh, is this the show that's based on that title generator that I see everywhere? That is the very same. Okay. <laughs> That's that's great. So they came up with this title generator where you could write things in this logo font, and then someone based a show on it called Stranger Things. That's that that's what I've exactly, understood from the internet over the past months. Exactly right. <laughs> gotcha. All I, right. I'm still completely lost. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. So people kind of well. To be fair, Eric, you've seen the show. The title yeah. sequence is lovely. It's a throwback, like the show is in a lot of ways to sure. the great films of the '80s, and people loved that title sequence for this show. And oh. so someone created a little title generator that you could type in your own little title, and it would look like the Stranger Things title. I'm, I'm gonna do it uh, so right now. So look it up you, online, folks. It's you guys there. do Eric's the show. It up right I'm just now. gonna do this. <laughs> there are a billion tweets about it. That show up even if you've never watched an episode of Stranger Things. It's pretty cool because it's a good title. Uh, at least the, the, the typography is very striking, and the title sequence. I watched it every time. Who skips through it? I didn't because I well, loved it so much. And I can tell you already that talking about a visual thing that not even all three of the hosts have recognized is a great way to start a podcast. <laughs> Woo! They're loving it. The people love it, man. They're not skipping through this. Oh, no. oh man. All right. Oh, man, there's a button. It says make your own. I'm going to type in my own words. Okay, oh, what words are you typing in? Yeah, what, what are you typing in there? Oh. Fiction. Oh, should have seen that coming. 
So, uh-huh. uh, while Eric's doing that, anyone want to tell oh. me what the show's about? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, so Stranger Things. This show was created by the Duffer Brothers, as yeah. they're credited. Uh, Matt and Ross Duffer, who are twins in real life. Twinsies? Twinsies. Yes. The scariest they, uh, of two things. The twins? <laughs> twins? <laughs> the scariest things. Uh, uh, scariest variety of two things. <laughs> Identical. Sure. Yeah, whatever you whatever you want. All right, so the Duffer Brothers they created the show. It's starring <laughs> Wino Rido herself, Winona Ryder, uh, David Harbour, <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown, Finn Wolfhard, a great name there, very spooky tober, and Matthew Modine. This show uh, came out this last summer, July 2016. It is available now on Netflix. Note to self: Die Hard, but with a wolf. Wolfhard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm down. still it, just I'm still trying to get over why no rido. Keep on moving. All right, so this is this is a mystery <laughs> horror adventure. So the, the the big thing that people are talking about with Stranger Things is that it's, it has a very heavy '80s influence, uh, specifically '80s films. So some of the the big. Uh, cornerstones of that genre that are shown here are like E.T. Oh, it's a pretty big debt to to E.T. in terms of story and style. That boys on bikes feel, um, as well as the Goonies. Not a not a Spielberg film, but uh, Spielberg produced. And then also Stand by Me is also referenced, uh, and Stephen King in general um, is referenced pretty heavily within the series. So. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in tropes a little bit later, but uh, that's kind of the feel of it. That's that's where it's drawn a lot of its. Uh, it's 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 definitely referential to that time, and it's lovely. I love it. Um, but Stranger Things is set in the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana. Ooh, sounds in no- right. <laughs> yep, in November nineteen eighty three. So, we're going to give you the general setup here for what happens in Stranger Things uh, that kind of kicks everything off. What's going on here? So, in this small, quiet town where nothing ever happens, as people say... Would you call it a sleepy town? Oh, it's quite sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to tuck it in every night because it's sleepy. (laughs) So, in this little sleepy burb, uh, a 12-year-old boy named Will Byers goes missing one night. What? On his bike ride home. Vanishes. Seemingly into thin air. And so the town, Hawkins, Indiana, comes together to begin a search for the little kid, which is led by the local chief of police, whose name is Hop. Jim Hopper. Chief of Police. He's got a troubled past. (laughs) We'll get to that in a second, once we get into the characters a little bit more. So, while looking for Will, his his friends, he's got a group of friends, a bunch of little nerdy kids, instead of finding Will, they find this girl, this weird girl, in the woods with a shaved head, and she calls herself Eleven? That's a number. That's not a name. Weird. Strange things. Stranger <laughs> things, even. 
And also, so while that's going on, Will's mom, Joyce, is starting to receive phone calls, and she thinks she's hearing Will breathing on the other end. Ooh. Before they spark, and the phone goes dead, and she can't use Ooh. it anymore, so she has to buy more phones. <laughs> Zaps her in the mouth, and yeah. she has to go buy a new phone. <laughs> yeah, going through lots of phones these days. So... All this time, while all this is happening, the cops are looking for the kid, the the best friends are looking for him, and they're finding weird little girls in the woods. Mom is getting weird phone calls. All that while, there's a lot of activity going on at this weird government facility right outside of town. What's, what's going on there, you know? There's weird happenings going on over there. Like vans driving out, G-men walking about what's happening over there nobody knows what's going on over there at the government facility but these people they seem to have taken a bit of an interest in the disappearance of will byers we don't know why we don't know did (laughs) did they have something to do with will's disappearance do they have something to do with this weird little girl that showed up in the woods who's to say i know the answer (laughs) eric me me. eric 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 yeah me you can't give away the answer. Oh. You can't give it, it away. It's a lot easier. Because spoilers, dog. Can't do it. All right. That's fine. So, yeah. So, that's, 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 that's the setup. That's what's going on here. Oh, that sounds exciting. Is that the plot for the whole series? Uh, well, that's yeah. the setup. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what's like, going it's, on. It's a, a uh, continuous story throughout the series. It's not... Anthology yes. episodes like Black Mirror or Twilight Zone, that kind of thing? No, 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 no. The the eight-episode first season covers this story. It, it tells it in completion. Ooh, That's actually one exciting. of the reasons I really like this show is that although they have already announced season two, and season two will take place with the same characters and continue this story, this first season really felt like a complete story. They wrap things up really well. Um, by the end of it, there's there's a few hanging threads, Daeklin threads that they'll be able to pick up on, but uh, it tells a really uh, complete story, and I like it. Cool. So we're gonna get into some of these characters that we've just uh, touched on very briefly, um, and so we're gonna start with uh, the ooh, best, ooh, ooh, the best nerds. characters. We're starting yes, with nerds. The nerds. The kids. So, yeah, so the, 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 the series is interesting in that it, like the way I kind of set it up here, it breaks up these the characters into these little troops these little like uh teams and the most interesting and best team are the kids the nerds led by wino rido nope nope that is not true (laughs) she is not a child anymore marcus she is an adult human (laughs) hey stranger things have happened Uh, yes they have so angry Eric, Eric, tell yep. me about these kids. Just right. like, who are these kids? So here's the fantastic thing. This takes place in the 80s, the early 80s. That's prime time for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my gosh. And guess what? These nerdy little 12-year-olds, they love Dungeons and Dragons. In fact, little, little Will, before he disappeared, he was actually tra- riding home after a session of D&D with these guys. So it plays a pretty central part in just their kind of dynamic and who they are as, as people. But our main kid is Mike Wheeler, who is, you know, one of Will's best friends. He is, um, 
he is the one who really uh, kind of gets attached to Eleven when they find when they find her in the woods. Uh, he's the one who really wants to help her out and figure out what her deal is. Um, and it causes some uh, some conflicts in the group, primarily with Lucas, who is um, he's like the 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 most skeptical of the group. Doesn't trust Eleven when she shows up. Who's this weird girl? She's a weird girl. Yeah, Look they call her, her weirdo. Weird. What was that yeah. name? Lucas. Lucas. His name's just Lucas. Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's what it's written here. I don't know. Yeah, right. you don't hear their last names much other than Mike. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you, you, and and if they're family with anybody, we'll let you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's Mike and Lucas, and they kind of they kind of clash on a lot of things. Yeah, they're uh, like kind of combating for leadership of the of the the kid group um mike is kind of the i mean he kind of takes the most control um but lucas is very skeptical of their decisions yeah um and uh will is the one who disappeared obviously we don't really need to know much about him since he's gone for like the whole thing um the fourth and final member of the the friend group is dustin who is <laughs> I love him. He's I love him so much. He's got this weird thing where his his uh his teeth haven't like grown in. He's got oh. like no teeth up front. It's like <laughs> a weird condition and it makes him talk with this really severe like lisp and it's adorable. He's kind of a, a chubby <laughs> kid. He's kind of like he's like from he's like the Goonies. He's uh Yeah, he's like Chunk. He's Chunk a little yeah. bit. Uh but he's not, also not, not as annoying though. Yeah, exactly. No, he's he's actually like the mediator. He wants everybody to be friends, and he can st- like when people make fun of them for being you know nerds or whatever. He's the most cool with it. You know, he isn't as as bothered as like Mike is about being made fun of because these kids are all outsiders. You know, kids at school are like bullying them, like to the point of straight up like murder. Ooh, yeah, like, it, gets, it gets really serious. <laughs> yeah, there are knives drawn in this uh, in this sleepy little town of Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah, um, so all yeah. these kids, these boys, they want to get their friend back. They're best friends. So even though they're told by their parents to stay home and the cops will find Will, they don't do that. They go out after Will. They want to find him. They are actively trying to find Will. Getting on and their ag- bikes. With their yeah. little flashlights taped onto the front of the bikes. It's yeah, great. it's excellent. And that's how they come upon Eleven, as I went over a little uh, earlier. And yeah. um, so Eleven, she's kind of the, she's, yeah, she's fallen in with this team. She's part of the team now, even though Lucas uh, doesn't really want her to be there because she's kind of weird. Again, <laughs> they call her, they call her weirdo. Um, but Eleven, uh, this little girl, they meet her and she has a shaved head. I don't know if I mentioned that. You did. But, but she, uh, so she looks kind of strange, and she doesn't talk much. Um, she actually doesn't, she, she asks, uh, when, she, when she does talk, she usually asks questions, because she doesn't understand what they're saying. Like, at one point, they even mentioned friends, and she doesn't know what friends are. Um, Teach me because, to love. Because in uh, flashbacks, uh, we find out that this little girl, she's never left this government facility. She has grown up in isolation her entire life, and through some sort of experiments, we get, you know, little bits and pieces of it as the series goes on. She has developed telekinetic powers. 
She can kill you with her brain. <gasps> that's, that's what I wrote down that's in That's exactly notes. what's in his outline. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so she, ha- yeah, she has the ability to move things with her, with her mind. And but she has- can do all sorts of things that we don't know the limits of her powers. Yeah. All we know is that if she uses her powers, one, it wears her out. It, it, she just tuckers right out. And mm-hmm. two, she gets a bloody nose. It's kind of a hallmark image. It's how you know she's been up to something if she's got blood dripping down her lip. Gotcha. Yeah. And you're saying so, that she's a little girl. She's a little girl in the same sense that these are little boys. They're all around 12. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So same, same age-ish. Yep, same. We don't know her exact age, um, or at least I can't think of um, they mention it. But she's not like like five or something. Right, right. No, 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 no. Nope, nope. Mike Mike has got a little crush on her. A little bit of a crush. Um, But, yeah, so they're they're all in middle school. They're seventh graders, but they're like 12, Mm -hmm. beginning of seventh grade. But yeah, so those that's that's the gang. Those are the friends. And they're trying to find Will, who is just gone. We don't know where he is. Um, so when you, again, so this story follows these groups, and the kids are, you know, kind of our favorite group. We all love them. Um, and there are other groups of people. There are adults. There are teenagers. And we're going to get to their names and their uh, roles in a minute. But when you write this shamfic, we really want you to write from the perspective of the kids. Um, gotcha. So we're gonna, we've are gonna we already given you a lot for them, and the, those are the characters we're going to give you the most for. Um, but here's just a quick rundown of the other characters that you can mention, or maybe can like cameo. You can fill them out however you'd like. Um, in the adult camp, the first one, which I've already mentioned, is uh, Chief of Police Jim Hopper or Hop. Um, so this is—he's a big city cop who recently moved to small town Haw- Hawkins. He lost his daughter a few Ooh. years ago. Which uh, drove him into depression. He's still coping with it. He drinks. He smokes. He sleeps around. He, he smokes a lot of drinks, a lot of drugs. Yep. And <laughs> one thing that we see Hop do is that uh, even though he's the chief of police, he is not beyond going outside of the law <laughs> <laughs> to to get information. <laughs> yeah, he's a good detective. He's a he's a fun character to follow. Yeah, he's great. Uh, next up, we got uh, we got Joyce Byers, who's Will's mom. This is this is the Wino Rido. Yeah, oh, I thought she was playing eleventh. Not nope. see, you're just you're bad at this. Adult woman, <laughs> not twelve. Uh, she's just freaking out a lot. She spends a lot of this series kind of in tears, frantically shouting crazy stuff because of she's getting these phone calls she's seeing things there are some stranger things happening to her yeah. uh no one believes her so that's kind of what's happening with her um she's uh she's got another son older son named uh john jonathan who we'll mention in a, in a second uh other characters in the adult camp we have dr brenner who is actually more of a antagonist in this show it is he is like the scientist government sort of guy who is Eleven's quote papa. Uh, Ooh, this creepy. is like the the guy who's basically been taking care of Eleven uh, at this you know wherever wherever she's from. Um, yeah, he's, so he's, he's kind, kind of a shadowy sh- government guy. Yeah, we don't know too much about him. 
Um, and the other uh, main adult character is Karen Wheeler, who is Mike's mom. And uh, she's a good mom, or at least she's trying to be. Her kids are just getting involved in all this stranger stuff. Yeah, and and um and she I don't know she doesn't have a huge role in the show, but she's worth mentioning because she's Mike's mom and also Nancy's mom. Nancy is a teenager, and that brings us to the teenagers' camp. Yep. Uh, we got Nancy, uh, who's uh, Mike's older sister. Jonathan, who's Will's older brother, and we got Steve who is uh, a guy that Nancy is totally crushing on. And, well, they're uh, dating. They're dating. Yeah, they're, they're dating. I mean, they're not bit. putting a label on it or anything, Eric. Don't make it weird. But, no, okay, uh, fine. Okay, fine. But, yeah, Nancy and Steve are together. But, yeah. But, yeah, so we're not going to go too much into those characters, even though I really like those characters. I know, For the sake of this show fiction, uh, the kids. The kids are where it's at. Um, so. so, yeah, so this show, it's... It's very heavily influenced, as I've said, by 80s movies, so the tone, you know, it's dark at times, but it can also be funny. There's a lot of levity and humanity to it, but there's also, with these boys um, and Eleven, it's this spirit of adventure. They're, They're these kids that are diving into this crazy world that is involving, you know, the government and experiments and supernatural stuff. Are we gonna are we gonna talk about specifics about the supernatural stuff? Because there's some pretty cool elements in this show uh, about about what sort of mysteries are going on and the sort of baddies they're facing. Why don't you give me a I couple hints? Want... Yeah, maybe, let's, maybe let's a just... couple hints and then. I feel uh... like it's so important to the no, show. No, I don't think we should, Eric. Uh, I don't think we should say anything. Well, there's can a monster. Me, can you give me one thing? Let's mention yes. the monster. Let's mention the monster. Smoke so monster. A, played so, by... Nope. Beloved nope, stop, actress. Stop right now. No. When you're already well, ruining it. No, right. You're, yes. You're <laughs> ruining it. Stop. Window <laughs> Rhymer. That's it. You're ruining it, both of you. <laughs> no. The monster. <laughs> National uh, so treasure. Yes. Uh, stop. There's a, monster. There's, a, there's a monster. And the monster is described as a man with no face? What? It's like a creepy kind of, like some sort of like naked sort of man thing. Yeah, With no face. It doesn't have a face. What does that mean? Spooky. We don't know where it's from, but it it seems to burst into our world in some strange sort uh, sort of way. It's called, I'll give you the name, they they begin calling it the demi or demogorgon, yeah, which is a D and D character. Demogorgon, mm-hmm. like like so, a gorgon, like like you have yes. snake uh, hair. Well, th- that's the like the name, but that doesn't have snake hair. Okay, but uh, that's what they call it. It's cool. It's real spooky. Cool. It's pretty spooky. Pretty spooky mm-hmm. for the spooky tober. So yeah, so you have some this girl that. Has telekinetic abilities. You have some monster with no face. There's government people running around trying to figure things out. And I'll just say it right now: other people are disappearing. Okay. We don't know where they're going. Yeah, yeah. we don't know so if the they're alive or dead. We know nothing. Jon Snow. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so this is full. This show's full of seventies, eighties movie references. You know, we can have. Like character types and uh, specific actions and settings uh, that are kind of pulled from those movies. 
Uh, we got a lot of references to D&D. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of... I don't know if there's any other, like, major tropes for the kids. Well, it's done, uh, uh like, Norbit style, where everyone's played by Winona Ryder. I got that part. Stop this madness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Nutty Professor 2 meet the club style. <laughs> oh, no. Now that's a reference I can understand. <laughs> Wino Rido in... Stranger Things. I'm excited for this, guys. I'm so excited. I want to watch this show. It's all I've been hearing about. I don't hear anything about it other than it's the best thing ever, uh, which I'm sure will not disappoint me when I finally watch it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm super excited to write it. What would my bonus points be? Because I feel like I'm going to get scared. I want to I mean, I want to go to a scary place, but what are my bonus points going to be? Mm-hmm. Sure. I will start us off. So my bonus points to you is that I want you to hide an 80s movie reference in your fic, and I want to see if I can guess it. Ooh. Now, now if he hides it and you fail to guess it, does Marcus not get the points? Yes. (laughs) So so don't hide it at all. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Just put it in there. Just put it in there. And if I can't guess it, you'll just have to tell me what it is, you know, to let me know that it's in there. But I have to, I, I have to be able to know like what it is. But if I can't guess it, <laughs> you get it. You get this. I think, I think I know what you're going for. Uh, yeah, it's an yeah. impossible task. Oh no! So yeah, '80s movie reference that I have to guess. Beautiful. My bonus point, Marcus, is I want to just see the best superpower from Eleven. Eleven can do all sorts of stuff with their mind. Come up with something unique interesting twisted you you were laughing to yourself just now marcus awesome. did you just think of something great or what's no what? no I, <laughs> I thought of something that andrew would hate me if i if i said it oh okay well maybe maybe sneak it into your script and you'll get an She's extra gonna bonus transform point for me on a writer I don't want this to come across as that I hate uh, Winona Ryder because I love Wino Ryder. She's one of my favorites. Um, And I think she's great in the show. Like, uh, the the distressed mom character can be so grating and awful, um, but she pulls it off. She is fantastic. It's probably because she is the the greatest and most famous of the Rydos. So, perfect. You know it. All right. I think we're good. I think we got it. I think we got it. All right, hey, guys. I am. I'm feeling good. Do they say the title of the show in every episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, but they should. Uh, they do. Maybe it's, season it's two. It's a title at the beginning of every episode. It says it. A uh, fantastic uh, title. I meant, I meant like a character saying it. That's what I wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just, just every every opening. You can of, oh, you can sneak it in there. Things. And then they turn to the camera and wink. (laughs) I like this. Already off to a good start. All right, get out of here, man. I'm going to go right. I'm just overflowing with creativity right now. (laughs) Love it. Just gushing with it. May may the wino rido be with you. (laughs) All right. Hey, folks, we'd like to make a quick request. If you enjoy the podcast, please support us by subscribing and get a new episode for free every Sunday. While you're at it, you might consider rating us as well. We like positive reviews, so if you have something nice to say, please say it. If you don't like the show, 
well, pretend you're writing a sham fiction of a positive review and get yourself a little writing exercise out of it. Sounds like fun. All right, thanks for listening, and let's get back to the show. All right, so while Marcus is off experiencing some stranger things, Uh, Eric, what do you think he's going to be writing about? I think he's going to eat this thing up. I think, uh, you know, and I think he's intuited more than we told him because we didn't give him much about the details about the ooky spooky that's going on in this show. None of that ooky spooky. Uh, Nope. My, I don't know exactly what we're going to see, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see something that resembles the, uh, the upside down. Which is something we didn't get into. We didn't. We didn't talk about the upside down. Not at all. We didn't mention show. alternate dimension at yeah, all. I don't and think. And that's exactly what it is. It is this next door sort of dimension, this ooky spooky dimension. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get something with a little bit of that flavor. All so right. if he gets, if he does that, he's going to get all the points. So specifically, crossing dimensions or something. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Something that we could, as the knowing audience, interpret as the upside down got it all right cool that sounds good i like that uh so my secret bonus point is going to be jumping off of my regular bonus point which is that i wanted him to hide an 80s movie reference in his piece that i could guess Uh and i want to pre-guess as to what movie he's going to put in (laughs) all right all right um what does he think you are going to latch on the best that's the question here I want him to reference Top Gun. <laughs> you don't think he's going to reference like an 80s like horror movie? It's going to be Top nope. Gun? <laughs> nope. I want him to have like a, a, a sexy beach ball party in there. Not involving children though. Because that would be uh, bad. I mean, they could like, you know, why not? Why not? If they just play volleyball at some point or <laughs> hop into a military fighter jet to yep. fight the big bad. What if they go into the dookie? danger zone? That's that's what I want to know. Would they take the highway to the danger zone? Well, they would if they did. If, if you're going to get to the danger zone, there's no other way. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, if, if the if danger zone pops on a pops on a radio someplace, that would that would count. Some um, Kenny Loggins. Never, never hurt anybody. Let's uh, <laughs> let's check it out, shall we? Yeah, let's bring it back. Hey guys, I'm back. At least I think I am. <gasps> oh, well, <gasps> where where you been? <gasps> I I don't remember. But there's a there's a sham fiction written. Oh my <gasps> goodness! Ooh ooh, that's the name of the show. That is, and that was what you were supposed to do. So even though you seem to have experienced some time loss, ah. you did what we, we told you to do. Well, that's interesting. I'm One sure the audience wishes they could, they could <laughs> have some time loss over this poor intro. So let's jump right into the story. <laughs> I blame you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty poor. It's pretty poor. It's all right. You got to try some things. But you know, I had fun. You know what, audience? I don't write the intros. I just kind of let it flow. <laughs> I'm trying to lower the bar. Like, there's a presidential debate coming up. I just, I lower the expectations, and then I read the story, and then you don't think it's as bad. That's the goal. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now you all know Marcus's secret. Inside uh... the writer's studio. All right. 
<laughs> okay, so are we gonna are we gonna hear some some things that just might be, just might be, stranger? You know, I, I, there has to be a benchmark of strange things because these are relatively stranger things. So, all right, sounds good. I'm ready for it now. Here we go. So are we. Of course, Mike would say this was Lucas's fault. He hadn't liked Lucas's plan, but they had decided to roll for it like men, and Lucas had scored higher on initiative, so that was that. They were going to break <laughs> into the facility. Or at least, that had been the plan, until the Earth split open and decided to swallow Dustin whole, which, as far as Lucas was concerned, <laughs> was not his fault. I can't believe you let this happen, Mike said. It's not my fault, Lucas protested. You were the party leader, and I still am. Lucas said. It's not my fault our bike lights all went out at once, and I certainly didn't make a giant hole in the ground. As a matter of fact, that sounds a lot like the work of your weirdo girlfriend. Leave her out of this, Mike said, and he grabbed Lucas's jacket. Even in the moonlight, Lucas could tell his friend was stark red. Or what, he'll try to beat me up while we let Dustin bleed to death? Mike stared at Lucas for a moment. Then he let go of his jacket and walked back over to the weirdo. As he stepped away, Lucas thought he heard something that sounded a lot like, I wouldn't just try. Lucas didn't have time for Mike's stewing. He, pushed a he pulled a flashlight out of his backpack and turned it on. Well, he flicked the switch. The light refused to turn on. Mike! Lucas yelled. Any luck with your flashlight? Mike hadn't even taken his flashlight out yet. He'd just been standing there talking to the shaved-headed freak. But when he did try his flashlight, it fared no better than Lucas's. They tried the alternate batteries they'd brought along, but Lucas didn't have much hope for those, even before his suspicions were confirmed. They tested all the flashlights before they left. This was something different. Fortunately, Lucas still had the road flares he'd swiped out of the chief's car when they were doing the first sweep for Will a few weeks back. He popped off the plastic cap at the end of the flare and struck it to life. The flare flickered a few times, as if wrestling with whether it should be allowed, but its light won out. He handed another flare to Mike, who handed it to the weirdo and refused to do anything until Lucas gave him another one. When all three of them were holding spewing sticks of red light, they decided to get closer a closer look at the hole. It was about 15 feet across, and a perfect circle, or close enough to one that it creeped Lucas out regardless. He was certain he had rode right over that spot before their lights had given out, and they heard Dustin yell. There was no way the hole had been there all along. And to make matters worse, it had to be huge. This orientation of losing the lights and hearing the scream made it hard to be sure, but Lucas had a terrible feeling that the yell had given out before they heard the crash of Dustin's bike at the bottom of the hole. Now, with his flare angled down into the gap, Lucas knew he must be right. He couldn't see the bottom, and Dustin still didn't respond to their shouts down to him. We've got to go for help, Mike said. We are help, Lucas said. What are we going to do? We might be able to get down there with the things in our pack, but we both know Dustin's never been able to climb the rope in gym class, and we don't hmm. even know if he's still <laughs> conscious. He's breathing. He'll be awake soon, the weirdo said. Lucas jumped. He had forgotten she was there as he was arguing with his friend. It had been nice to forget. And how the hell do you know that? How can you tell it's night? She asked with that cock of her head that Lucas found so irritating. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Lucas asked, but she was done playing. Instead, she walked around the edge of the hole, placing one foot in front of the other in a toe-to-toe -to -toe line, oblivious to all the world. We need to go for help now, Mike said. 
I can't lose another friend. Funny, Lucas said. I wasn't sure we still counted after Baldy showed up. For a minute, Lucas thought mm. Mike was going to hit him. He would have welcomed it to know that his friend still cared. But the minute passed and Mike said, We can argue about Eleven later. Right now we have to make sure Dustin doesn't die like Will is not dead, Lucas said, a little louder than he intended. Fine, what I mean is, how do we know this isn't exactly what happened to Will? I swear, Mike, that hole wasn't there when we first rode by. I'm party leader, remember? I would have seen it. Dustin was right behind me and now he's down there. Who's to say if we leave this hole, it won't just close up on him? I don't know. We are running out of time. I don't care what Eleven says. I think he's in danger. Did you just call her Eleven? Mike laughed. But in a flash, his grin was replaced with panic. His eyes began to dart desperately around him. Eleven! He shouted. Lucas looked around and it was clear that the weirdo was gone. Had she run away? But no. When he looked down the hole, he could see a tiny prick of red light. Just barely visible below. They hadn't heard a sound. She couldn't have fallen in, could she? Grab the rope, Mike shouted. I'm going in after her. After them, you mean, Lucas said, annoyed that Mike was only taking hmm. his side now that the weirdo was in danger, like they hadn't grown up with Dustin and his dumb, toothless face. Mike ignored him <laughs> and grabbed Lucas's backpack. He found the rope they had brought along and grabbed it firmly by one end, tossing the other side into the hole. As soon as I'm down there, Mike said, I need you to run for someone. If we tie off the rope, I should be able to climb back up, even if Eleven needs a little help. What about Dustin? Lucas said. He tried to keep the accusation out of his voice now that Mike was finally being proactive. That's why we need you to get help. You know, Eleven, she's weird. She's probably okay. But if Dustin's really hurt, we can't move him. Lucas felt a swell of respect for his friend, though he'd never admit it. But this thought was overcome immediately with panic, as without warning, the rope in Mike's hands burst into flames. Mike screamed and dropped the rope. <laughs> but it didn't fall down into the pit. It simply disintegrated on the spot. What the hell was that? Lucas said. He looked from the flare in his hand to the one Mike had left on the ground when he retrieved the rope, but neither seemed a likely cause of ignition. This was wholly unnatural. As if in confirmation, a loud groaning sound came from below their feet, and Lucas was convinced the hole looked smaller. Mike was bent over and Lucas could see tears down his face, tinted red in the light of his flare. Let me see those hands, Lucas said. And he regretted it immediately. As Mike forced open his clenched fists, Lucas saw a grisly black and red crosswork of burns. This red oozed <laughs> and had nothing to do with the flare. Well, Lucas said, that settles it. You need to go back into town right now. You need a doctor, so I guess I'm the one staying here. Like hell, Mike said, but his voice was weak. Look, we could roll for it, Lucas said. I don't think you could even hold the die. I would hit you if it wouldn't hurt so much, Mike said, smiling through the tears. But I'm not going anywhere. I was afraid you might say that, Lucas said. Then he did the stupidest thing he's ever done in his life. Without a moment's hesitation, he kicked the backpack into the hole and jumped in after it. For the first few <laughs> seconds, he could hear Mike screaming after him. But then the rock around him illuminated in the flare he had dropped as he leapt, gave way to a bright green light. It was so powerful that Lucas could see it even after he closed his eyes. He wouldn't be surprised if it shot up 
high enough to light up all of Hawkins and cause the people all around to build mountains out of their mashed potatoes. (laughs) Then, with a shock, the light was gone, and Mike opened his eyes to find himself sitting at the bottom of the hole, not broken in a heap, but sitting. Though, on second thought, he wasn't sure he was at the bottom. He could be anywhere. He couldn't see a thing, and the flare appeared to have gone out, if it was even around. Dustin, he said, noticing his voice came out soft, despite his best efforts. He felt his hands shaking. He's not here, came a light voice that was all too familiar. The beam from Lucas's own flashlight confirmed his worst fear. The crazed girl was smiling at him without a scratch on her, holding the stolen flashlight in one hand and holding out the other to help Lucas up. Lucas didn't take her hand, but instead pushed himself to his feet. His hands stopped shaking as he balled them into fists. What did you do to him, you freak? He stepped towards her, pulling himself up to his full height, though it didn't seem to concern her. She simply stepped back as he advanced. He glanced down and found his backpack on the floor. He thought he could overpower her. He was a foot and a half taller, or half a foot taller. But with her weirdness, he'd much prefer if he had. That won't do, she said, shaking her head. What? You're thinking about grabbing this, she said. And with a shock of realization, Lucas saw the pocket knife he kept in his backpack floating in the air in front of him. Lucas stumbled back. (laughs) Though the blade remained closed, he knew she could open it. Now, I wasn't... Yes, you were. But we don't have time for that. I told you Dustin isn't here, and to answer your earlier question, I didn't do anything to him. Then where is he? Lucas said defiantly. That's harder. They never really understood the Viatori at the facility. Lucas must have looked as dumb as he felt, because she continued, Oh, right. We're calling him the Demigorgon. How he travels, (laughs) where he goes between worlds, what fills the vacuums he creates. Regardless, I don't think we have much time. This fissure won't be here for long. We have to find Dustin. Why? Lucas asked. Trying his best to look into the weirdo's eyes and find some truth beneath her crazy. (laughs) She paused, and he took the opportunity to grab the knife out of the air. But he didn't open it. You'll laugh, she said at last. That was not what he was expecting. Why would I laugh? Because you did last time, and I wasn't sure. And I'm still not sure that I am right now. Lucas tried to think of a situation they had been in that somehow had been anything like being caught in the bottom of a pit with the weirdo. But he couldn't come anywhere close. The girl proceeded through his silence. When we first met... You laughed when I asked, what are friends? And now I think I know, but I'm not sure. I want to find him because I believe friends are the people who go looking when we're gone. Isn't that why you came down to find Dustin? Lucas's loose fingers slipped apart and the knife fell. All thoughts of accusing her for the hole or the flaming rope or even the green light left him, replaced by an intense feeling of shame. He hoped she didn't notice the sweat that began to run down his forehead. No, Eleven, he said as his voice returned to him, the lie burning hot in his ungrateful throat. That's why I came down to find Dustin and you. The end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm all oh tingly. Me too. Oh. I got shivers going through me. Shivers. <laughs> <laughs> There were a lot of strange things happening in this piece. Ooh. Ooh. You said it? 
<laughs> well, I said a similar thing. It's true. There's no R at the end. Uh, it, was, it was interesting. I liked that. That was fun. I just I just like your stories, Marcus. Oh well thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna assume I wrote this even though I have no memory of it. <laughs> of course, we're still going with that. It's good. Oh man, I I really liked this quite a dang bit. Thank you. Whew. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just love the friendship at the end. It made me so happy. <laughs> Because that's such a key theme on the show, especially with these characters, is this friendship between them. And because they're young, they're willing to kind of do exactly what Lucas did in this, jump in the hole without knowing what's at the bottom. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's what these kids are doing throughout this series. Not that specifically, but stuff like that <laughs> in order to find Will. a lot of jumping in the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> specifically <laughs> hole jumping. Yes. Um, so seeing that in your piece was spot on in terms of this a similarity to the show you know not specifically the action but in 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 spirit definitely and it it got me it really got me well <laughs> uh. it, it was a lot of fun um i like that you made lucas the main character that was this. interesting. Yeah. It, it, different than the show, for sure. Lucas is definitely more of a, a secondary character. Mike is the the main boy that we follow narratively. So getting Lucas's perspective is actually really nice. You know, it's it's a uh, it gave us something different that we don't get from the show. And there were a lot of things that hit very true. But we can get into that in a minute. But uh, you know, tell us. Uh, Tell us about the writing process. Sure. I had a lot of fun with this one. And I'm sure I say that a lot on the show, if I were to look back. But it's very true. Uh, I was really trying to hit just that Amblin, Steven Spielberg feeling of friendship. And I really wanted that to be the core to it. And I wanted to have these kids be in very dangerous situations and continue to put themselves in dangerous situations very casually. Because mm-hmm. I think that's yes. part of what I like about this, and that's part of the spirit of adventure that I got from you guys when you were talking in the pitch. And it did take Beautiful. me a little while to figure out who the viewpoint character could be, because I know that it was specified that Mike was really the lead of this gang of kids. But I thought, you know, you go where the most pain is and the most conflict, and the person who's hurt the most by the three of them... Uh, Eleven, Mike, and Lucas is definitely Lucas. Uh, you could maybe argue that Eleven's hurt by being the outsider in this group, but I didn't want to have her be the point of view character because I thought that would be looking too far behind the curtain. Sure. Yeah, since she's such a big part of the mystery herself. Right. So that's where I ended up on this. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, just kind of didn't have too much going as for what the plot was going to be. Because I kind of wanted to discover it along with the characters. So sure. I just knew that... I w- the first image I had is that one of them was bleeding horribly next to their bike. And then I just kept <laughs> oh, trying gosh. to put them in danger. <laughs> so we didn't actually end up seeing Dustin bleeding by the bike. I was going to have bone poking through. But Ooh. Uh, that would have been part of what I think is right about these <laughs> these types of stories. Sure. The, the real danger, like seeing real something danger like that. Real danger and the kids get mm-hmm. hurt. You know, that's, that's yeah. so key. 
and and people being like, "Wicked! You look! Yeah. I can see the bone. You're yeah, like fixating on yeah. that." <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's really interesting, and um, I love hearing your thought process about behind picking Lucas, because you're you're right. Um, he's the odd man out in these in this uh, this trio of like I won't I won't say leaders because Elle, Elle, Elle isn't really a leader of the group but she and Mike are definitely on the same side so uh, yeah Lucas you know he feels left out and I think you got the dynamic between Lucas and Mike incredibly close to the show yes, like incredibly close like they're kind of I mean, vying for power really you know they, they, they disagree a lot and they argue about the correct course of action and especially when it comes to Eleven, because she is such a weirdo. <laughs> so that, uh, and, and Mike is totally, like, in love with her. And and Lucas can see it, and he doesn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, and you even have him calling him out on that, and I like that a lot. And But yeah, it's like even the specific stuff that you chose for them to argue about is exactly the sort of stuff that they argue about on the show. So again, it was well done. You know, those arguments felt right, and... They, again, added just that right amount of, like, you know, conflict between these characters to make this really engaging, and then it just boosted it by being so similar to what we see on the show. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. So, So, uh, a couple of things. Yeah, go for it. That I like, um, details that I really liked, um... There was one little bit where you mentioned that they stole the flares from the cop car. Mm-hmm. And, like, just that detail really made me think of these Boys on Bikes movies. Like, again, like, stealing from the cops. <laughs> and just, like, just like without a second guess. I just, I, I loved that image. I Like, it made me picture that scene from a potential, you know, the movie, like, without even having to explore it further. Awesome. Um, Thank you. That was very I, intentional. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. And then um, the one of the big differences that I'll note is L is very different in your piece than she is in the in the show. Um, for one, she doesn't talk nearly as much. I think you have her speak in this piece as much as she does in the entire run of the show. <laughs> um, she speaks very little, and in the show, she's a lot more vulnerable and scared and, you know, just kind of quiet and has kind of these wide, doughy eyes about everything. So sure. there's an innocence to her that in this, I felt she had way more knowledge of what was going on, but just didn't quite have the, the social capacity to articulate it is kind of the way I got from this. Yeah, um, with the way you interpreted her, but that's very different than the show. But it was still really fun. <laughs> There's this like savant quality to her that I really like, though in your version. Like, although it wasn't necessarily accurate, I thought she was like a really interesting character. It reminds me of a ah gosh, I feel like I've seen this sort of character before. Like this kind of casual use of like these superpowers like she she can see beyond the veil into like the inner workings all the gears and motors that make the world turn and just kind of you know without making a big fuss just sort of drops knowledge and manipulates the world around her in a way that 
puts everyone else off, like on edge. And it was very well done. I liked it. It was a cool effect. And the levitation, the telekinesis, you know, with the knife and everything. Yeah. I asked for a uh, for a superpower from Eleven, and I got one. And that is something she can do in the show. Well, you had mentioned like, telekinesis. Okay. Uh, well, we got to see it, which I liked. Yeah. <laughs> she was a little... Uh, I was concerned mildly that she might be too much but a little bit of an inspiration from River Tam from the hit show. Wait, it's oh. not a hit show. The cult show Firefly. <laughs> Very <laughs> much so. would still be on. Uh, <laughs> but I, I wanted her to come across as a lot more whole than River. Uh, you know, yeah. River's I mean, she never much, said, I can kill you with my brain. I didn't. I did not. Yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. Yeah, but uh, like... It's, I liked it because from because you were writing from Lucas's perspective in that moment in the hole when she appears to him, I got a danger vibe, like a real danger vibe, and I did think that there was the possibility that you were going to make her a villain in that moment. Like I got that feeling, I was experiencing that with that character, and that moment was very strong. And then again, that made the switcheroo to friendship forever all the more powerful for me. I liked it a lot. Thanks. Very true, very true. All right. Shall we get to our final decisions here? Yes. Please. Scores. So Eric, you I, take I'm, it away. I'm going to start. Uh, so just overall, this was fun. Uh, it, I think Andrew nailed it on the head. The things that worked, really worked, you know, that you did set up uh, these kind of these setups and these payoffs really well with these characters and it's a very simple story there's not a lot plot wise going on but you really got a lot of good character work in here in a very short amount of time and i applaud you for it i think you did very very uh very strongly with it um my uh bonus points i'd given you was i wanted to see some 11 superpower action uh, I was hoping to see a little more, honestly. Like, I wanted to see something really unique and different. Uh, just let you kind of flex your creati- creativity when it comes to the uh, inventing a cool superpower. And uh, we did get the cool levitation, which I liked, and floating the knife and everything. And just the very, you know, that she is those super weirdo. I mean, being super <laughs> weird is kind of a superpower for her. Um, and I think you did a really good job, but I'm only going to give you half the points because I, I did fair. mention the, the levitation. Yeah. Um, my secret bonus points uh, were related to something that we didn't talk about uh, when we were pitching this to you, Marcus, is that uh, in this world, the, uh, the Demogorgon spends a lot of time and other characters end up spending a lot of time in what they, call, they refer to as the upside down which is basically a um, like a next door universe, an alternative dimension sort of thing where everything is dark and Ooh. gross and like decayed. Ooh. And it's a really cool thing. Yeah. Uh, and we have these characters who end up like getting trapped in this space and it's it's just it's freaky. And the Demogorgon kind of bursts through and trans goes between the real world and the upside down. And I had told Andrew that I wanted to see something like that. Like I wanted to uh, like I was hoping that you'd kind of just tap into this 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 thing without us even telling you and kind of give us an uh, uh, an other world. Yeah. And again, you 
almost did like very close a big hole in the earth and they go down and it's like not you know there's this light and they land softly and it's not necessarily real like it's not the reality we know the yeah. rules are different perhaps so it's like it almost kind of got there like we're about to go into that portion of your story if were this to continue and we would see some of that upside down so again it's like i'm kind of gonna give you half the points there because it's cool yeah it made no, me excited it made me think like in that moment it made me think eric of the the bits in the show when Elle is walking through like the black space when she's kind of projecting yeah. herself. Yeah. Like that's what I was picturing. Like even though I don't know if Marcus knows exactly what that would look like or no. what I'm even talking about. <laughs> um, that's what I pictured is her and Lucas like in this just infinite blackness just black that we see from the void. show. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so very good job. Um so for for my score, just to wrap my bit up, um, because you kind of got half my bonus points and half my secret bonus points, it's like a whole bonus point. Whoa! <laughs> hey! uh, and plus, I really liked your story, so I'd say I, I, it's gonna be a really simple score. It's gonna be, uh, n- it's gonna be full ten points out of eleven. Aww. Hey! It just got me right in, right in my heart place. <laughs> Full mm-hmm. 10 out of 11. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so this is interesting because this is a piece that I often have a little bit more trouble with. Uh, the sort of piece where, like Eric said, that it doesn't tell as much of a complete story. It feels like a section of an episode. Um, you know, it feels like it. we're jumping in in the middle of something, but not necessarily getting the beginning and the end of it. Like, there's more to be told here. But I still really liked it. I loved the... It kept me engaged the whole time. And as Eric said, the character stuff was just so good. The conflicts between these characters were so clearly defined and articulated. And, you know, in terms of the character, we'll say the performance, um, what you wrote was so strong and again just so clear that i was there and is happy <laughs> and friendship <laughs> you end on friendship you have that be the end have that slight reversal uh it it, it just it, it floored me I, I i just i loved it um bonus points wise uh my normal bonus points was t- for you to hide an 80s movie reference in your fic and um I, I did and, and, and let me guess it and see if I can guess it. Yeah. Uh, well, it was. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just. Uh, I'm gritting my teeth here a little bit because uh, it was. It was the Close Encounters, uh-huh. uh, the mashed potato uh, bit when we were talking yeah. about the flash of green light. Um, am, am I correct in that? Is that you're, oh, you're satisfied? Correct. Which I believe that was bonus 79. Point? But it was 79, Marcus. 79. No, no, actually it was 77. It was 77. So you're uh, about three years too early. Let's say two and a half. (laughs) Um, Came out the same year as Star Wars, everybody. Um, Hmm. So I'm going to give it to you because you hit it in there, but it's not quite 80s, so I feel a little bad about it. And all the movie geeks in the audience are like, Andrew should be livid right now. But you know what? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I'll point out, uh, I, I wrestled with this a lot, and I, I knew that I may have given up my bonus points. But this was an in-world reference. 
So I had to pick something that they could have seen by 83. Yes, absolutely. Which and really it's still limits... a Spielberg reference, too. Yeah. yeah. Which the show does all the time. Yeah, you gotta have the Spielberg. Yeah. So, well, but thank I you. I said specifically <laughs> 80s, so... Yep, you're right, you're I'm right. Still, I'm still gonna give it to you. But uh, my secret bonus point was building off of that, in that I wanted that 80s movie reference to be one from Top Gun. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't hit that. Uh, nope. No volleyball. No volleyball. F-16 no, no fighter Maverick. planes. <laughs> no. no danger zone. Yep. No goose. No goose. Though there was some serious like friendship wingman stuff going on. I guess you could say a little bit. Um, I be I my wingman anytime. <laughs> yeah. So with all this in mind, I am gonna say that your D and D character has ninety five of their one hundred hit points Woo-hoo. left. Nice. You only took a five point hit. You got plenty left. You still have plenty of magic missiles in <laughs> your tool belt. You've never played D and D, have you? Not, not too much. <laughs> you got the magics in your magic pouch. <laughs> you All said right, it. Guys, thank you so much. Ooh. I enjoyed sharing this. And can I please watch this now? And how can I watch this? Go yeah. watch this right now. Stop this. Just leave. Put down that microphone and go watch it. It's on Netflix. It is available. All eight episodes of season one right now. And if you haven't seen the show, so just so you all know, Marcus literally just dropped off the call. He is gone. He's gone. He did what you told him. He to did do. exactly what I told him. That is amazing. That's never happened. And I'm just going to keep going with this. Um,. Yes, it's on Netflix. Watch it all now. If you listened to this before watching the show, we kind of spoiled a lot of the things for you, so you made bad choices. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, watch it anyway. This yeah, is it's great. still good. We didn't get into too many specifics. There's nah. still so much fun to watch. It's such a fun, fun show to watch, so yeah, just check exactly. it out. Yeah. Eric, anything else to say? Nah, man. This was fantastic. I would tell Marcus he did a great job, but he's gone. He's already watching the series, so, uh, well. Let's just sign off, you know. Let's sign off, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been Andrew Neal. And this has been Fish. Eric Carlson. Hey, what? I snuck what? in there. Look, you, but you not Marcus, because he's gone. Not Marcus, it's true. He'll never get in. Screw that guy. Yeah, forget that guy. All Nobody right. likes him. Bye, everybody. Bye. I love you, Marcus. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Hey Sham Dudes, Andrew here. We have one more stop left on the Spooky Tober Trail, and if you play by the rules, you'll likely survive to see the end of it. And you all know the rules, right? Right? Guys, why are you so quiet? Don't tell me you don't know about the rules. The rules to survive a horror movie? Oh. <sighs> Okay, wow, you're you're lucky old Andrew's here, my goodness. So, when listening next week, follow these rules. Number one, do not have sex. Shouldn't be a problem for most of you. Number two, do not drink 
or do drugs. You'll need your wits about you. And three, don't ever, ever walk away and say, I'll be right back. Because, ah, come on, it's a horror movie. That is a rookie mistake, guys. All right, that's it. Those three. We good? Okay, cool. Now I have to go prepare for next week's show. I'll be right back.